Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, space architecture and author of many books. He's also got a column in Newsmax.com. His latest column is, Is Team Biden Jumping Israel's Ship? We'll be talking about that as well. It is December the 8th, and on this day in 1949, steadily losing ground to the communist forces of Mao, Chinese nationalist leaders departed for the island of Taiwan, where they established the new capital. Nationalist leader Chiang Kai-shek left for the island uh, the following day. The action marked the beginning of a two-China scenario that left mainland China under communist control and vexed U.S. diplomacy for the next 30 years. It also signaled the effective end of the long struggle between Chinese nationalist forces and those of the communist leader of Mao, uh, though scattered Chinese nationalists continued sporadic combat uh, with the communist armies. At the time, many observers hoped that the end of the fighting and Chinese nationalist decision to end the separate uh, establish a separate government on Taiwan might make it easier for foreign governments to recognize the new Communist People's Republic of China. For the United States, however, the action merely posed a troubling diplomatic problem. Many in America, including members of the so-called China lobby, individuals and groups from both parties, public and private life, who tenaciously supported the Chinese nationalist cause, called upon the administration of the President Harry S. Truman to continue its support of Chiang Kai-shek's government by withholding the recognition of the communist government of the mainland. In fact, the Truman administration's recognition of the nationalist government of Taiwan infuriated Mao, ending any possibility of diplomatic relations between the United States and the People's Republic of China. In the years of, after 1949, the United States continued to support Taiwan, and Mao's government continued to rail against the nationalist regime of the, off the coast. By the 1970s, however, U.S. policymakers desirous of opening economic relations with China and hoping to use China as a balance against Soviet power uh, moved towards a closer relationship with communist China. And in 1979, the United States officially recognized uh, the People's Republic of China. A lot of that work had to do with uh, Dixon and, of course, uh, with Henry Kissinger, uh, looking back, of course, 2020 hindsight, you wonder if, in fact, we made the right moves. In some ways, I know that we didn't. Uh, they have certainly capitalized and, in fact, exploited their relationship with the United States. Well, the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 each snapped a three-day losing streak yesterday, giving investors a little relief as they await today's jobs report. And that's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, this is all going to lead to a soft landing for the economy and would be good for the market. <clears throat> Well, the Justice Department on Thursday filed uh, new criminal charges against Hunter Biden. Uh, Biden was hit with a nine-count indictment filed in, in California, tax evasion, failure to file and pay taxes, and fa false and fraudulent tax returns. The indictment details a four-year scheme to avoid a $1.4 million-plus 
tax obligation he owed between 2016 and 19 and to file false returns. If convicted, he faces up to 17 years in prison. Now, in September, Hunter was also indicted on federal gun charges. They charged with uh, one count of false statement of, to purchase a firearm, one count of false statement related to information required to be kept by a firearm licensed dealer, and one count of possession of a firearm by a person who is an unlawful user of addicted and controlled substance. So Hunter Biden has got his, his issues to deal with right now. Uh, and I, sometimes I wonder if perhaps Biden uh, became president of the United States because he knew this, this day would be coming for Hunter. And uh, he's he's the only guy that would probably uh, would would uh, forgive uh, Biden and uh, make him a free man. I'm talking about Hunter. On Thursday, Ross Stevens, CEO of Stone Ridge Asset Management, sent a letter to the University of Pennsylvania announcing the withdrawal of get this a hundred million dollar donation to the University of Pennsylvania after President Liz McGill appeared to sidestep questions about extreme anti-Semitic speech on campus during congressional testimony. She said, well, it depends on the context. I would have been interested in hearing her say what context and what specific way would uh, she approve of anti-Semitic speech. In any event, uh, I suspect that uh, McGill, Liz McGill, as well as uh, presidents of the other universities, they might not have their job when the weekend uh, is over. Just, just my guess. We'll see. Well, former world number one John Rahm is going to leave the PGA Tour, and the Spanish golfer will join the Saudi-backed, Saudi-backed uh, Live Golf in a deal reportedly between worth three and six hundred million dollars. Can you get the? Can you believe that? Uh, former, he will. I think he won the Masters last year. In any event. Uh, what a what a payday for John Rahm. Three to six hundred million tamales. Well, Hamas uh, terrorists have started to surrender en masse in the area of Khan Yonis, one of the terrorist uh, government's last strongholds. The latest advance had the IDF operating in southern Gaza, a move that has sparked outrage among those who want Israel to stop short of destroying Hamas, but hide that desire, of course, behind the humanitarian concerns. <clears throat> photos and videos, and, and these are shocking photos and videos, if you can find them on the internet, of Hamas fighters stripped to their underwear. Hundreds of them have begun to circulate, showing the sheer numbers of prisoners being taken. We'll see, I'm sure, if the United States uh, and the rest of the international community claiming that strip-searching terrorists before detaining them is somehow a violation of laws of war. We all know that it's coming, and there have already been a myriad of articles quoting Gaza health officials claiming humanitarian abuses. To its credit, Israel is ignoring all the noise, including some from the Biden administration is focusing on the ultimate goal. Uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, speaking for the current unity government, has said that destroying Hamas is how it's going to go down, and it's how it's going to end, and the IDF is continuing that pursuit. Some reports have even put uh, Yawa Sinwar, the military leader of Hamas, in tunnels underneath Khan Yonis. If this turns out to be true, Israel could be closing on and delivering its biggest blow yet. <clears throat> Excuse me. The war with Hamas is now two months old, and with the initial attack from the terrorists coming on October the 7th, during that time we have been assured that everyone is starving in Gaza due to the evil siege being carried out by Israel. In pictures, though, you see a whole lot of man boobs and beer guts, uh, on the uh, uh, Hamas, 
which does tell you that, uh, and I think it tells us that the Hamas has been stealing aid and keeping its fighters well-fed as they cower underground. If Hamas terrorists are waving the white flag in the center of one of their last strongholds, that's a good sign that things could come to an end sooner rather than later. Uh, surrender is contagious, and hopefully they will, uh, will uh, to fight among Hamas ranks and file, continues to deteriorate. And really, the, the, sh the pictures are shocking just to see scores and scores of men in their underwear sitting and just waiting for uh, uh, becoming prisoners of war. <clears throat> New unearthed emails obtained by uh, House investigators revealed Joe Biden used multiple email pseudonyms to communicate with his son's business associate more than 300 times in a year prior to becoming president. The revelations further disproved Joe's claims that he had no knowledge or, or involvement with the family's business affairs. Of the more than 300 emails analyzed by House Republicans, 38 are emails from the White House to Joe Biden's alias with a copy to Hunter Biden. Meanwhile, 58 of these communications are exclusively between Joe and one of Hunter Biden's business associates, Eric Schwerwin, who is known to be the architect of Biden's shell company operations that launder money around the world. According to the records uh, released Tuesday, Joe and Schwerin uh, communicated numerous times ahead of the then-Vice President April and November 2014 trips to Ukraine. As noted by the committee, Joe and April, Joe's April visit coincided with Hunter's appointment to the board of Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian gas company that paid the younger Biden as much as $83,000 a month, despite Hunter's having no prior energy experience. Uh, the prisoners uh, this is just an unbelievable circle. You may have seen the video that shows uh, Biden bragging about the fact that he withheld a $1 billion loan unless they fired the prosecutor that was uh, holding Burisma responsible. So uh, we've got video evidence. It's all over the place. And yet, President Joe Biden bristled at the suggestion he had engaged in any wrongdoing with his family business dealings as the House edges closer to vote on whether to approve an impeachment inquiry about him. I did not, and it's just a bunch of lies. They, they're lies. I did not. They're lies, Biden told reporters on Wednesday. Biden and the White House have denied that the president had anything Ill done anything illegal. With his office of the general counsel underscoring its updated 18-page response to House Republican investigations so far, they've received tens of thousands of pages of documents and records, conducted dozens of hours of witness interviews and testimony, and accessed extraordinarily rare law enforcement-sensitive information, spokeswoman Sharon Yang said this week. But none of it has supported their allegations of wrongdoing by President Joe Biden. And in fact, over and over again, it has refuted their false claims. I don't know what she's looking about at, but uh, there's so much evidence on this, it's unbelievable. Biden's comments were in reaction to the question regarding Associated Press polling from last month that indicates that almost 70% of the public, including 40% of Democrats, believe that he actually acted either illegally or unethically related to his family's business interests, including those of his son, Hunter Biden. House Republicans should re, uh, really focus on American families instead of the president's family. That's what Americans want to see. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said last week, focused on the American families and their needs and what they want, not the president's family. Uh, <clears throat> she's so incompetent and unbelievable. So in denial of all this evidence that's come out, 
clearly, if there's a will in the House of Representatives to impeach uh, Joe Biden, it certainly should happen. Well, yesterday, a judge ruled that Kate Cox, a pregnant Texas woman, can get an emergency abortion in the state. Earlier this week, 31-year-old sued Texas, asking the court order to allow the procedure. She's uh, 20 weeks pregnant and has her fetus has been diagnosed with a fatal genetic condition. Uh, Texas law bans nearly all abortions, but her doctors uh, have said that, that seeing the pregnancy through poses a risk to her health and her future fertility. Now a district judge issued a temporary restraining order that protects Cox and the medical professionals carrying out the procedure from being prosecuted. The Texas AG's office could try to get a higher court to intervene and said that Cox doesn't qualify for a medical medical exemption. I'll bet you that doesn't happen. It comes as the uh, Texas Supreme Court will rule on a bigger abortion case that could clarify uh, exceptions in the state's abortion law. Seems to me that's a pretty good way to go if, if in fact, there's a outlying exception to the law. It should be adjudicating course. Let the uh, judge take a look at it and make a decision. Seems to me that's uh, maybe should be codified. Don't know. Well, on Wednesday, the Biden administration disclosed an additional $4.8 billion in student loan relief impacting over 80,000 borrowers. Can you believe that? You and I, taxpayers, are paying student loan relief. Uh, And this is just an effort, in my opinion, for Biden to buy votes. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're going to be visiting uh, with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. 
Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You heard Lulabee's commercial, great breakfast and lunch, and now serving dinner Wednesdays through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu is just terrific. Great value, and it's informal. Just drop by Lulabee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse which I think also helps to clarify policy uh, in the courts and uh, doing a great job. PacificLegal.org is the name is the uh, website for the organization. So wait, let's talk about what's going on in Capitol Hill. Uh, how about a spending update? What's happening? So the big news on spending this week has been taking place in the Senate, and this is with regard to a, what's known as the Supplemental Spending Bill. And this is 110, uh, I think $111 billion dollars for uh, the Ukraine effort, uh, for Israel aid, for Gaza relief aid, and for border security. Uh, And I'm I'm torn on this. Um, So on the one hand, this supplemental spending is sort of very much in line with the sort of gimmicky budgeting that has gotten us in our current predicament. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's wholly independent of the 12 spending bills. It's just money on top of that. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's strange to me that we've been reporting every Friday sort of updates on these contentious spending battles. And then at the same time, we've got this supplemental bill where they can just cram, you know, scores of billions of dollars in there. So for on that level, it, it is something that I bemoan. On the other hand, I do love the politics of the effort. Um, it's being spearheaded by Oklahoma Senator James Lankford. He was deputized by Senate Majority Leader uh, McConnell for this purpose. And his goal is to really get 30 members of each party. Um, it, it's sort of it, it's a conscientious effort for this sort of um, uh, not everyone can win politics that that makes a lot of sense to me when both chambers of Congress are so evenly divided. So, on the one hand, um, uh, I guess I decry the the supplemental spending process. On the other hand, I like the politics. And it's at this point unclear, I guess, how it's going to play out. I mean, that strategy, I guess, is designed to incur the wrath of of the far left and the far right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it has happened. But uh, at this point, Lankford retains the the backing of McConnell, and he he remains optimistic that they're going to come to some sort of deal. Gosh, I I kind of forgot to mention the stakes. Um, so on the one hand, what the Democrats want, what the Biden administration wants is the aid for Ukraine primarily. 
Um, and what Lankford and the Republicans are pushing for is uh, an overhaul of border security and the asylum process. Um, uh, some common sense reforms, I think, are in there. And the latest reporting here is that Biden, the Biden administration, um, may sign on to the border reforms that Lankford is pushing for. So that Biden, in essence, may turn on the left flank of his own party in these negotiations. So that's the latest status and sort of the big news regarding spending this week on Capitol Hill. Well, thank you, William. I, you know, I have to admit I'm skeptical because we already have laws in the book about the border. They're just not being enforced. And now we're using the uh, border agents as a welcome wagon for, for all these illegal agents coming across. So even if we threw more money at it, if they have the same goals or the same aspirations for the border, I think we, you know, we'd end up with the same situation we have now. Where, shoot, I always respect your input, but on this one, I do respectfully disagree. It, it was There are some substantive legal changes uh, afoot that would make, I mean, in essence, uh, uh, without getting too much into the legalese, the asylum process is somewhat broken. I mean, it, we take uh, uh, immigrants sort of wholly at their word, even if there's evidence to the contrary uh -huh. um, that they're coming here for a legitimate asylum purpose. And, and again, the... the the, the allowable range of, uh, of reasons for asylum are, are somewhat narrow. So this legislation would expressly codify sort of a, a regime that makes more sense and comports with how things were meant to work, at least in my humble opinion. And I should note here, I do not, I'm not an immigration policy expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, I do believe uh, that the changes being contemplated or being pushed by Senator Lankford would have a substantial effect on the border. Well, that's reassuring, William. I appreciate that commentary, so, so, so thank you for that. I must admit, and this is not to demean any commentary here, <laughs> reminds me of George Carlin saying, be careful of any bipartisan action on the part of Congress, then you know you're really getting screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I wonder if you could give us an update on what's happening with the impeachment vote. Well, indeed. So uh, this made big headlines this week, but uh, Speaker Mike Johnson um, announced that as soon as next week, there will be a formal vote on the impeachment inquiry. So just a uh, uh, rehash some old facts. Unfortunately, the former Speaker McCarthy had adopted the Nancy Pelosi playbook in sort of unilaterally exercising ambiguous authorities of the speakership um, to launch uh, an impeachment inquiry um, with this full vote. Um, or with the planned vote, assuming it passes, the investigatory committees are going to gain a great deal more latitude in their subpoena power. Um, so this is a big deal. And, uh, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm wholly supportive of, of Congress's plenary investigatory powers vis-a-vis um, -vis the president. I know. And, of course, uh, Biden said... They're, they're all lies. It's all a pack of lies. <laughs> That's his defense up to this point. It's just that, uh, for example, he had relationships with with, uh, Biden's, with uh, Hunter Biden's associates. So I think he's, well, he's disputed. I mean, again, he's been disproven time and time again. And I, I do quickly direct your listeners to a column written two days ago in The Wall Street Journal by William McGurn um, that runs through all the, the fibs that Biden has been caught telling regarding the scandal. Amazing indeed. So I hope this all progresses. One thing hanging kind of hanging fire is the fact that uh, uh, we found out that McCarthy is now going to resign from Congress uh, at the end of the year. And that uh, leads the I think it's a, like a one member 
uh, majority for the uh, Republican Party. If that happens, or if we actually lose the majority in the in the House, would that mean all of these investigations would cease and that we'd have committees, we'd, we'd have a new uh, Speaker of the House and that kind of thing? Indeed. Look, if it, you know, it's a majoritarian body. So um, to the extent, and I'm sorry, I guess I missed these reports, so pardon my ignorance, but were they predicting an even House, 50-50, or they would, would Democrats take the majority? No, uh, actually it would be, at that point when he resigns, it'll be a one-vote majority for the uh, Republicans. So that, oh, they'll retain a one vote. So, oh, wonderful. As long as the GOP retains the majority, then all these efforts would proceed apace. But it's a majoritarian body, so if they lose that majority then these efforts uh, would get uh, would cease. <laughs> William, I just really appreciate your commentary. Refer our listeners to the website, uh, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239 325 1041. That's 239 325 1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, and also author of a new book. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Great to be back, Bob. Thank you so much, Michael. So uh, I read that the uh, president is proposing that uh, when the government helps to participate and develop patents, that uh, in the past they haven't really, they've usually ended up in private uh, hands. But now he's suggesting perhaps government should start owning some of these patents. I probably don't have the story right, but maybe you can tell it. What are your thoughts? So pharmaceuticals are expensive. People, a lot of people need them to live, and the prices are so high that they have a hard time affording them. Yeah. And that creates a real dilemma uh, because you want people to be able to afford the medications they need to live. The example I think I've brought up before on the show is Sovaldi. This is a cure for hepatitis C, reduces all-cause mortality among hepatitis C patients by about 50%. But when the manufacturer introduced it, it cost $84,000 for a course of treatment. That is really expensive. A lot of people can't afford that. And, uh, and you want to give them access to that. So you want to get those prices down. But you would also want the drug companies to keep manufacturing right. cures like Savaldi. If you don't allow them to make money doing it, then they won't do it. And we won't get the, the new medicines that we need for illnesses that don't have any treatments or cures right now. So, so let me let me point out, if, if I could point out also, one of the reasons why it's $83,000 for a treatment is because in many cases, these drugs that have been developed uh, apply to the, the cure or the treatment for a very few people. So in other words, that it, it, what drives up the cost is, is uh, the lack of demand, if you will, for the, uh, for the product. Uh, and it, but this happens even where there are, are drugs that uh, treat a large patient population. Yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> there, there are a number of things. So what President Biden has proposed doing is he has said, look, if any uh, if the federal government contributed to you, you being able to market this drug and make so much money off of this drug in any way, you know, research that the National Institutes of Health did contributed to you developing this drug then what we're going to do is we're not going to let you have the normal patent life that, uh, that the government grants to drug manufacturers. Uh, you're not going to get all of that marketing exclusivity where the government blocks anyone from competing with you. Uh-huh. We're going to let people, you know, we're going to pick people and let them compete with you. Huh. Now, here's the thing. I don't, I don't get too upset about patents because, I mean, <laughs> Uh, not not as upset as I get about other things that the government does to increase prices, because patents exact, uh, they actually exist in the Constitution. The Constitution authorizes Congress to impose them, and they're like a government program. Congress messes them up, but at least they're constitutional. Right. There are a dozen other things that the government does to increase drug prices that are not constitutional. I wish President Biden would go after them. Right. They range. They range from. FDA regulations that make it cost $2 billion to develop a new drug, and that's $2 billion that the drug companies have to recoup when they set their prices. Right. There's the, there's the fact that the federal government doesn't let you buy lower-priced drugs from other countries. There is how the tax code increases drug prices, how the Medicare and Medicaid programs increase drug prices. Uh, it The list goes on, uh, but for some reason, President Biden thinks that this is where he should be spending his time you know, patents, even though they're constitutional, they're, uh, they're not sacrosanct, and, and the federal government can take a hard look at this if they want. But the president is just falling all over himself, making bad arguments in favor of doing this. You may have seen he, he tweeted the other day, yesterday, I think it was, that the fact that 25 
pharmaceutical companies control 70% of the market means that those markets have too much concentration, that those pharmaceutical companies have too much market power. I, I don't know how you are with math, Bob, but that means that that means that on average, those 25 companies control 2.8% of the market. Right. Now, now that doesn't mean that actually that that doesn't look like market concentration. And actually, it doesn't mean that there isn't market concentration, but it certainly doesn't mean that there is. And you wonder who is the person not just writing the tweets, but making the policies over in the White House. Such a great point. I, I happen to think that uh, patent law is so important, and it's one of the reasons why we've had massive development of new inst uh, new innovation here in the United States because of the protection of patents, rewarding uh, patent uh, p inventors for the opportunity to make some money on their on their. Uh, I think that the law has been diluted in the last twenty years, unfortunately, uh, at at some expense to the society, in my opinion. But I, your point is well taken. There's a solid economic argument for patents. There's the fact that they are constitutional, and yet the government still messes them up uh, by, by creating opportunities for people to game the patent system right. and keep their prices high long after the 20 years or so that, the gov that they're supposed to have a, uh, a patent for a new medication, and they end up getting patents for... for uh, drugs or changes in drugs that really aren't the the model of what we're trying to encourage when the government gives drug companies marketing exclusivity. You remember Martin Shkreli, the 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 fellow who spent some time in prison and uh, and testified before Congress so smugly after. He jacked up the price for a drug called Daraprim. Yeah, I certainly remember that. He, well, his attitude, I think, which is what got him in trouble. But I think the information he provided was pretty darn accurate. Some people said he had the most punchable face in America. <laughs> and, 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 and the reason he was able to jack up the price of that drug that was cheap and inexpensive to produce, that had been off patent for a long time, was he found a way to game the patent system to give his company marketing exclusivity for that drug, yeah. which then just uh, allowed them to profit off of sick people with, without providing any additional value, without creating a new drug, uh -huh. or even providing any real uh, new information uh, about how that drug works. And those are the sorts of abuses that the patent system allows. And why one of the reasons why people are so frustrated with drug prices, but uh, I'm not sure that, uh, I, 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 well, I'm actually pretty sure that going after the patent system is not where the Biden administration should be focusing its uh its efforts, at least not first. Yeah, it, I might I'd say if, if, I were to, priorities. if I was attempt to summarize your thoughts, it seems to me you're saying that, look, there's so many other ways that we could reduce the costs of health care than uh, really attacking the, the, uh, the patent process. Yeah, certainly there might be something there, but let's focus on the other ways that uh, can save consumers money. And the biggest one is to change who controls the money. Right. When the consumers control the dollars at stake in healthcare transactions, what they do is they shop around, they demand price reductions, they spark price competition among producers, and that price competition makes healthcare more universal. 
It brings it within the reach of more people. Right. We see this all the time in pharmaceuticals. As soon as you get uh, one or two generic entrants into a market, prices plummet. Right. Uh, unless, unless the government is requiring drug, is heavily subsidizing those drugs, is requiring uh, insurance companies to cover them. When Obamacare required all insurance companies to cover all forms of oral contraception at 100%, prices for those drugs skyrocketed. They had been falling relative to inflation. Right. But instead, they they skyrocketed because third-party payment increases prices. Mike, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. I'm going to refer our listeners to your very robust website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for your commentary here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Take care. You as well. Thank you, Michael. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining me here on the show. It's uh, brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Changing lives through exceptional theater experiences and I encourage you to visit the website and get tickets to some upcoming performances. They're really terrific. Again, 
golfshoreplayhouse.org is the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She's my wife. She also is extremely well-informed about what's happening locally and around the world. Honey, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning By to the you. way, we just, we, I, I just have to comment. We're watching um, a little news clip about PGA Golf and how John Rahm just switched from the from the PGA Tour over to Live Golf, and, and they're asking him really pertinent questions, like, why did you do that? Oh, well, they gave me $600 million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, end of interview. I yeah. mean, it's like, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm sh- it's just, I just don't know where the, the uh, Saudis seem to have a bottomless pit of money. Oil. Yeah, we have oil <laughs> for sure, but my goodness, Three to six hundred million dollars. There, I've heard a couple of numbers, and anywhere from three to six hundred million dollars. I'd go to live golf for six hundred million. No I problem. Think I would too. No problem at all. I, I, I think they. Have I can't pretty- hit it as far as John Rom though. And and you know they they're they're adjusting the the golf ball so you can't hit him as far anymore. Did you read that? Yeah, too? I read that too. They're going to try and reduce it by I think it's nine to twenty yards or something like that for the pros to make it more competitive on some of the courses but uh, that's so interesting see yesterday we were watching uh, Tucker Carlson's it's about a two-hour interview if I'm not mistaken it is and we we got through 44 minutes of it and I can't wait to hear the other part well you know I wonder if you make some comments about the content of the interview Tucker Carlson again Alex Jones now Alex Jones is a I would I guess he was a commentator he's got his own podcast well you know um I, just to be perfectly honest, when I first heard of Alex Jones, I thought he was a nutcase. Right, I really did. Yeah, and and so and that's what the media portrayed him to be. When in fact, as Tucker Carlson pointed out last night, or helped Alex Jones point out, that everything that he said has said over the past several years has come true. He has made predictions that are just unbelievable, including the attack of the twin towers. Uh, he had he said that's going to happen. He said he had evidence of the way. He just does some very interesting research. I, I guess the point is that uh, he's very credible. And I watched that 44 minutes of that interview, and I would say everything he said uh, was very. I, I think he's a great resource for information. Well, especially especially all that we know now. By the way, um, what I don't know if he'll mention it in this clip, but he's been. <clears throat> What he said about the Oklahoma City bombing, about the Las Vegas mass shooting, right. um, all of this stuff it was is tippy toes back to the the government and the CIA and whatever. And he's he has just been profoundly accurate, and um, he is the ultimate of quote unquote conspiracy theorists, whose conspiracies have come true. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch the rest of it. I look forward to it as well. I just, again, refer our listeners to TuckerCarlson.com as a website. Also, you go to Twitter or X and uh, just do a search on Tucker Carlson. His episodes, I think he's up to like 40 episodes. This is 48, I think. 48 episodes. So well worth watching, and all of them are just terrific. But this one with Alex Jones, I just highly recommend to give you some perspective on uh, his thought, because he's really a bright man, and he's uh, very informative. Um, what's really interesting about Tucker Carlson's drop yesterday was before he dropped the Alex Jones uh, interview, he dropped something that Lloyd Austin said. Mm. I don't know if you, I sent it to you. I don't know if you if you I got the. Seen ch- it yet. I mean, it was it wasn't a video. It was just a it was just a picture of Lloyd Austin. And um, what he said, and it's been verified, and Elon Musk is going, wait, what? He really said that? And I'll tell you what he said in a second, but, but John Kirby, 
the, the as some people call on social media, the used car salesman of the White House, yeah. uh, said that if you don't give money to the Ukrainians, we're going to send your da- sons and daughters over and aunts and uncles and whatever over to die fighting this war. That was scary. And, and, and they're making threats to the American people. Exactly. Can you believe that? Exactly. Can you believe that? Well, uh, <laughs> and he's the guy that, by the way, that decided that he gave the order that everybody has to get vaccinated in the service, ended up uh, losing thousands and thousands of service people and destroying their benefits and their careers. In the meantime, finding out that this vaccine has been uh, nothing what it was touted to be at the time that he gave the order. So the point being is I think he's pretty incompetent. Uh, incompetent. I think he should probably be relieved of his responsibilities. Well, wait, the, the, the clip or the uh, quote that... Tucker Carlson dropped yesterday from Lloyd Austin was set in a private White House meeting, and he's it's been confirmed. John Kirby said it at the White House briefing yesterday. Hmm. He says you you want to see blood spilled? Wait till we send you your sons and daughters go over to these people are just evil. And get this, and we not only have the what's going on in Ukraine, we've got what's going on in Israel now. Venezuela has decided that part of Guyana. Uh, should be part of Venezuela. They have very rich oil findings, apparently, in Guyana. So uh, now uh, the White House, the first thing that happened is they said, we are 100% behind Guyana. And uh, is this going to draw us into another war? I tell you what, the the news is coming out <clears throat> faster than a fire hose. We thought it was coming out fast before. Yeah. Can't keep up. You know, all this stuff about anti-Semitism coming up and all these... these um, <clears throat> university presidents that have been caught absolutely um, not stating what they believe that they won't they won't say that anti-semitism is against their universities it, it, they said it depends what context i just right. love to have the one to describe well give us a context they wouldn't which, do it with uh, anti-semitism uh rhetoric and it possibly could be justified it's just. I happen to believe they they should they've thrown football coaches and all kinds of people. I remember when the Penn State coach was thrown under the bus and ended up getting fired after many years of service. I've forgotten his name now, but the point being Paterno? is Paterno. Paterno. Yeah, Joe Paterno. Joe Pat. Well, in so many cases, it's the college presidents that throw somebody out of the bus. Now it's time for them to be thrown under the bus. I don't think they're going to survive the weekend. Uh, the one at the uh, University of Pennsylvania already lost a $100 million. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah, unbelievable. Tip of the iceberg. Another thing that which is really interesting is that Kevin McCarthy has quit, has quit Congress. He's, I mean, he's taken his ball and going back to Bakersfield, yeah. which is too funny because he said, no, 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 I'm never quitting. I never quit. I never quit. And the social media post... Um, a, a reader's content on Twitter says he quit. Yeah, he quit, indeed, and uh, that's going to jeopardize, of course, the majority in the House. Uh, at least Nancy Pelosi, as bad as she was, at least she stuck around. I, I, you know what? I'm still trying to figure out who the good guys are. I, know. I am. I mean, we know Byron is. Yeah. We know Matt Gates is. That's two. Yeah. And there's others, but Linda, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston of Space Architecture, author of many books. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more. 
hour of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics, they know policy, and they help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in uh, government. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read by Larry Bell. Also, he writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it was always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much, Professor. Uh, your latest column in uh, Newsmax is is Biden team uh, Biden jumping Israel's ship? So interesting, interesting commentary. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Bob. I think everybody, most everybody, uh, is very concerned about the anti-Semitism that we're seeing now. That seems so blatantly un-American and inconsistent with the uh, values we have, and and. Uh, it's just, just absolutely re- remarkable, and and with regard to our leadership of our country, uh, initially, uh, President Biden came out quite clear on support for Israel, mm-hmm. and uh, during those early uh, public communications, it was certainly suggested that uh, the U.S. was supportive and we weren't going to 
attempt to manage or judge uh, Israeli response in Gaza, recognizing, I think, that, you know, the uh, terrible, terrible attack on the 20 Israeli cities, towns and cities, was absolutely horrendous and uh, barbaric and as we hear of, you know, the nature of, of some of the atrocities, they're absolutely, absolutely barbarian, unbelievable, terrible things that, uh, that happened. And then in the aftermath of that, it was remarkable that the amount of um, publicity, protests, etc., in support of Palestine, suggesting that Israel was at fault, the Jews were at fault, was absolutely staggering. Right. And, and I think I think a lot of us felt that the Jews uh, and Israelis recognized that their nine million people or so were totally uh, at risk of annihilation and. Uh, and and that this this cannot be allowed to stand. It can't be allowed to happen again. And then behind that is the indoctrination of the of the Palestinian people in Gaza. And I'm not certainly not condemning Palestinians broadly um, in any way, but 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 in that particular region, uh, the even young children being indoctrinated to kill Jews and so on, you really wonder how, you know, even even uh, vanquishing the Hamas is not going to eliminate this deep-seated and, and well-established hatred. Mm-hmm. I think it was Golda Meir said at one time that Israel will never be safe so long as Hamas hates their children more than they love their own. Uh, On top of that, now we see these protests that seem to have inflamed people that that remarkably surprised us. We're seeing at Harvard University and Penn and MIT and so on where there's been this loath uh, uh, policy of allowing hate speech and so on to mm. be tolerant of genocidal talk in protests on the part of students. And uh, we're seeing some of this play out now in Congress with the, the presence of those universities and others being put on the, you know, on the grill on, the, on these things. Uh, but I think it's it's particularly concerning. We you know it was a time when we thought that perhaps the Biden administration would, would try to do something right and stand on principle for a change and really you know really try to accomplish something. That they are they seem to be really interfering, micromanaging, attempting to 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 
pretty much demand uh, ceasefires and so on that are really not aiding Israel's strategic objective at all. And Tony Blinken going to speak with their officials and Netanyahu and others and essentially saying, I think it doesn't, it's not a stretch to say they're saying you, you, you need to get this under control because we have an election coming up. Yeah. Now, this isn't, you know, this is not verbatim what they say, of course. But when, 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 when uh, Blinken says to the defense minister that they're running out of credit, I'm, I'm really looking at how the Wall Street Journal editorials characterize this. And they say, you're really saying that you're running out of credit with the Biden administration because this is a political issue. Right. And I think that's, you know, really, uh, it's an unbelievably disturbing time, both in terms of empathy and understanding of the Jewish situation and the, and the Palestinian situation, our one powerful ally in, in the Middle East, but but the impact on American values and statutes and things that, that would never be allowed, right? In terms of you know other 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 groups, you know, Professor, I, th- I think about uh, <clears throat> Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr. You know, this is a time where you would hope that a leader would stand up and and declare and speak for the truth, speak truth to power, speak truth to the people. And unfortunately, in the, in this situation with Biden, my judgment is that it's it's all politics. He's, not, he's putting his finger in the wind and trying to figure out what, what to do and what to say in order to gain uh, political favor. And it's so unfortunate. It's so disappointing. Well, I, for one, you know, I don't like this administration. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's pretty clear. But when all of this started to happen, I wanted to be very aware of putting my own <clears throat> feelings aside. Mm-hmm. In support, you know, if 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 the administration would stand for something unprincipled, to, to not pile on and not be critical of them, and really want to encourage encourage this and encourage leadership. And as much as I may disagree with them on many issues, I really wanted them to be. I wanted them to be successful. Mm-hmm. And and. Uh, I realize no, it's, it's business. It seems to be business as usual, and and sadly, uh, I think that's the state of affairs. Absolutely. Again, uh, Professor Larry Bell, an endowed professor at the University of uh, Houston and space architecture, I encourage you to take a look at On Point column in Newsmax.com. Take a look at the Professor Bell's column. It comes out a couple times a week. It's called On Point. Also. Uh, take a look at his book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, his latest book, My Life by Design, by Professor Larry Bell. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always appreciate being on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we've got some great guests lined up for Monday, including John Miltimore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. Also, Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and now author of many murder mysteries. 
I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you pass the word on to your friends. That's one of the ways we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day and a great weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobhardin.com.